Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. All right, I hope everybody's doing well today. How many people are mad because the chairs are all moved around? Raise your hand. No, there's a couple. Yes, there's a couple. Sorry, you guys. We had to move the chairs around because we are getting the floors redone. And he's already done a couple things to the floors. And we are hopefully they're going to have a little more of a shine to them. We'll see. We're not promising that. We're just hopefully optimistic that they'll have a little more of a shine to them. And so... If you'll look down that hallway down in the back when you leave, there, we got a, something hiding it right now, but there's a lot of machinery and equipment, but he's been working on them since Thursday at around uh, 8 o'clock. Uh, so, yeah, so we're doing that in here. So um, if anyone feels so led and if Jesus calls you to, uh, you can stay after and help us stack chairs up, just stack them up in rows. Youth, that means you guys all have to do it. Uh, everyone else, uh, no, seriously, if you guys want to stay after, that's great. Jacob's going to tell you that too at the end. He'll remind you of that. So... Anyway, I'm so thankful you guys are here this morning. I want to I want to say too, um, just thanks so thankful for the people that are watching uh, while they're away. There's a lot of people that are watching right now away. I went online a while ago and saw several people that are on a trip or whatever, and I think it's so cool that that whenever someone goes on a trip, they can still. As a matter of fact, there's one family I know for a fact right now that are watching in their car. They're driving <laughs> to North Georgia and they're watching in their car, which is kind of cool. Please, sir, don't wreck. I uh, hope the hope he's listening and everyone else is driving, but uh, that's a cool thing. Uh, other people are watching. I think Miranda, Miranda was supposed to go camping this weekend. She said, hey, I need off to go camping. And I said, sure, you can go camping. And then all of a sudden I look and th- she's at Disney. She lied. Miranda's a liar. She is. Miranda is a liar. Miranda, you're a liar. Uh, you said you're going camping, but you no, know, it got washed out. The camping got, apparently, uh, what'd you say? Yeah, I know, but that's really not camping. Let's, let's just call it what it is, okay? Okay, for the tickets to be as expensive as they are, that's not camping, okay? All right, camping is s'mores over, you know, anyway. But, um, but no, I am so thankful for people that were able to get out of town with their families. Uh, and look, I want to tell you guys, we, in, we, 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 we know that church is for us to come here, and so that's what we're going to do today. But I also encourage you to take time with your family and to have those moments because they pass so quickly. And so it's important for you to build that family bond as well. So, but thankful for you guys that are here. Sorry that Lynn set the chairs up like this. I told him to do the regular thing and he didn't listen, but that's okay. I, I am so thankful that you, uh, that you guys are here. So, hey, I do want to talk to you uh, today about Romans. Uh, we've been going through the series in Romans and I want to go ahead and bring up our verse, our theme verse for the series. It says, for I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes the Jew first and also the Gentile. And then here it is. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. And so what I want to do is momentarily is I want to take a brief though for those that hadn't been here. Listen, we we were looking at the background of and the history of what Paul is writing to. I want to teach you something real quick. Listen, God can speak through his word any way he chooses to. But I want to tell you something. A lot of times, if you don't know the background and why someone is writing what they're writing, 
you can get a false sense and you cannot understand fully what the Bible is actually saying. See, it's one thing, it's one thing, the, 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 the legal term for that is called hermeneutics, all right? Don't go hermeneutics. I can't even spell hermeneutics, okay? So, but, but I had to take hermeneutics when I was in seminary. So hermeneutics means that you're looking at the context clues around the verse and you're looking at the background and who it's writing to. What do I mean by that? Well, here's one thing. Let me give you an example. Um, we all, the most famous verse, I think a lot of people besides John 3.16 uh, is found in, in Philippians. And it says, I can do all things through Christ who th strengthens me. Okay. And so a lot of people think that that means that you can go and you can, I mean, God can give you strength and that's true. And so a lot of people use that for a race and like all different stuff. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that's a great thing. That's a, I mean, and you can, but here's the reality. That verse actually is talking about being content in every situation. It's talking about your contentment level. I can be content in all things, because Christ strengthens me. Uh, so I can do all things. You know, I've learned what it is to have a need. I've learned what it is to, not, to be in plenty. I've learned all these things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so what does that help you for? Because you need to know the context. And so in the book of Romans, you need to know the context for what is being taught. And so let me talk to you about that just for a little bit. The background, as I've shared almost every week, is that the Jewish people and the Gentiles would be you and I, they had a, they had a church together that was planted. And when it was planted, after a little while, the emperor actually kicked out the Jewish people, including the Jewish Christians that were there. He kicked them out because honestly they were, they were causing trouble. And so he kicked them out. And he, he, and so when you, when you think about that, think about this for a second. What if every, uh, every person over 40 were to be kicked out of this church? And then five years later, they were to come back. I'd be kicked out, by the way. I'm 50. I'd be kicked out. But five years later, they were to come back and they wanted to be a part of the church again. What do you think would have changed with the church? A lot of stuff would have changed with the church. And that's what's happening here. See, people have been they've, they've left the church and then they've come back to the church and things have changed a lot. And so there's a strife and there's a turmoil and they're butting heads. They're butting heads over a lot of different portions of the text. We've personally looked at the definition of God's righteousness. We've looked at God's wrath defined. What is God's wrath defined? It's God's settled resolve that evil will not stand. Wrath is God's settled resolve that evil will not stand. We've looked at knowing God through his natural revelation. We've looked at what happens when God removes his restraints. This is all found in chapter one, when God removes his restraints. And then we went on to chapter two and we saw that God doesn't show favorites with people. God doesn't think you're special just because you did this and, and this person's not special because they did that. God does not show favorites with people. And last week we said this, that knowledge without, and I hope you guys talked about this in your small groups, knowledge without application is useless. Knowledge without application is useless. And so today we're going to piggyback off chapter two into chapter three. So let's take a look at chapter three. By the way, can you put the SKU up there, the little QR code? If you have a cell phone and you want to hit that QR code right there, you can 
take a picture of that and it'll take you right to the notes for this message. Okay. So you can just boop, you can hit that right there and it'll take you right to the notes from this message. So, so if you guys want to do that, maybe leave it up for another minute or two and we'll get that going. So we're starting in chapter three, verse one. Here's what it says. It says, then what, because, because God doesn't show favorites with people, then what's the advantage of being a Jew? Is there any value in the ceremony of circumcision? Yes, there's great benefits. First of all, the Jews were entrusted with the whole revelation of God. True, some of them were unfaithful, but just because they were unfaithful does not mean that God will be unfaithful. And I love this verse. Of course not. Of course not, God's not going to be unfaithful just because some people are unfaithful. Even if some, everyone is a liar, God is true. As the scriptures say about him, you will be proved right in what you say and you will win your case in court. But some might say our sinfulness. Now think about this for a second. He's going to go into a section here that talks about our, how people think, the humanness of their thinking. It says this, and it's going to sound ridiculous to you and I because we know better now because we can see it on the other side. But here's what he says. This is the argument that they were having. But some might say our sinfulness serves a good purpose. For if it helps people see how righteous God is, isn't it unfair then for him to punish us? And Paul, he has to say it. He has to say, um, this is merely a human point of view. <laughs> okay, I want to make sure you understand. That's what Paul's saying. He said, look, oh, let, me, let me pause here. Let me hit the pause button. This is how, this is how human people think. Okay, this is what they're doing. Of course not. If God were not entirely fair, how would he be qualified to judge the world? But someone might still argue, how can God condemn me as a sinner if my dishonesty highlights my truthfulness, his truthfulness and brings me more, brings him more glory. And some people even slander us by claiming that we say the more we sin, the better it is. Those who say such things deserve to be condemned. And then he transfers. Well, then what should we conclude that we Jews are better than others? No, not at all. And we looked at that at the end of chapter two, not at all. For we have already shown that all people, Jews or Gentiles, are under the power of sin. And here you go. Here's what the scripture says. No one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good. Not a single one. Their talk is a foul like the stench from an open grave. Their tongues are filled with lies. Snake venom drips from their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. They rush to commit murder. Destruction and misery always follow them. They don't know where to find peace. They have no fear of God at all. And then he says, obviously, the law applies to those whom it was given. For its purpose is to keep people from having excuses and to show, I want, you to, I want you to focus on this part, and to show that the entire world is guilty before God. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. And here it is, I want you to focus on this one too. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. 
are. Paul is having a back and forth with the questions that he know has been posed by these Jewish people. See, these Jewish people are saying this. They said, listen, we're the chosen people. You don't get it. We're the chosen people. We're important here. Paul, I know you don't understand. And they're telling the other people in the church, hey, listen, we're important here. We're important here. And let me tell you why we're in, in, important here. We're important here because he entrusted us with God's word. I mean, we're, we're the chosen people and they've got this high and mighty sense. And Paul in chapter two says, no, listen, I want you to understand something. He doesn't show favorites. He doesn't show favorites. And so the Jewish people are like, well, when, then what, what value is it of being a Jewish person? What value is it of being a Jew? And he says, oh, well, there's value because you're the ones that brought forth the word of God. You're the one that brought forth. You're the one that God entrusted to bring forth the word of God, both, both in text and in person of Christ. You're the one that were entrusted for that. And then he says, but here's some of your foolish thoughts that you have. Well, listen, if I go on sinning, that'll make God look better. And so if my sin makes God look better, if my sin makes God look better, then, then, and for us right now, we can't even hardly wrap our mind around this because it sounds so dumb. But, but it was very serious back then for them. If I can go on sinning, that'll just make God look better. And he can't punish me for that. Right? And we, we make, it, it, for us, it's like, I, I don't understand that. But here's the thing I want you guys to understand. There's a lot of human point of views that are happening today. Like love means love. And God is love. And that's it. Well, God is love, but God's also wrath. And we've seen that in chapter one. God is love, but God's also wrath. And you have... You can't have one side of the coin unless you have the other. There's two sides to the coin. It makes a whole. So when we, when we look at these verses, we have to think, wait a minute. We have some of these human point of views. We have some of these issues as well. One of the things that we have to, and this is what the whole... This is what the whole series is over and is about. We have to understand, you guys, that we are, we have to really in our brains maintain, we are 100% unashamed of what the text of the scripture says. 100%. 100%. And it's very difficult oftentimes to come up on these human viewpoints. It's very difficult sometimes. Let me tell you why. Because sometimes people in your household has a different human viewpoint. Sometimes people, I've got that in my own household. You know, my extended family, there's people that don't agree with some of the things that I teach. Or they don't agree with what God's word says. And they don't, they just don't. And that's okay. They're wrong. But that's okay. You know what I mean? It's totally fine. But what I want you to understand is, is that we have to set our minds. We have to set our minds to say, listen, I... I believe what the word of God says and I'm 100% unashamed of it. In the end, it says that we are all under a curse. So my first point today with you guys is going to be this. And it says it very clearly. Even if everyone else is a liar, God is true. I want you to get that. In Romans 1.21, here's what it says. Let's go back to Romans 1.21 for a second. It says this. It says, yeah, they knew God. 
but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give thanks. And here it is. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. They began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. When people are left alone, people will create a God in their own design. I want to tell you guys something. Even if those that claim to be followers of Jesus are 100% wrong, God is 100% true. For my own life, I want to tell you how that applies. And I, I want to share some little personal stuff with you. For my own life, here's how that applies. In my own life, I have learned that God can be trusted. I've learned that. I've learned that God can be trusted. I've learned that in all situations, God can be trusted. And I've had to say, and listen, that was difficult for me. And I know it's difficult for some of you guys because y'all are just like me and I'm controlling and you are too. Don't laugh so much, Wendy. I heard you over giggling. I'm controlling and you are too. Some of you guys are. And it's difficult for me to say God can be trusted. But I want to tell you guys something. In every situation that I've been in, in every scenario, in every single one of them, God has proven in my life that he can be trusted. He can. When my father passed away, God proved to me that he can be trusted. He did. There were things that happened around my father's passing that God proved that he could be trusted. He can. Even though I didn't understand it at the time. Even though I didn't fully comprehend it at the time. God can be trusted. Because now what was not so clear back then is clear now after 10, 15 years. God can be trusted. That's why you can fully commit your life to him. I want to share with you something that a lot of pastors may not tell you. But do you guys know what the hardest part of ministry is? So you would think that the hardest part of ministry would be getting up here and preaching on Sunday mornings. Do you know what the greatest fear in the world is? Number two is death. Number one is public speaking. Did you know that? It is. Literally, number two is death, number one is public speaking. That's the greatest fear. And you would think that this would be the hardest thing that I do. But this is the cake. This is the icing. This is, you know when you go to, get, go to Publix and you get those cake? I like extra icing, by the way. God always puts you with people, you know, that, that are the opposite of you, right? So my wife likes the cake part and I like the icing, Right? I'd probably do good to eat a little less icing. Let me be honest with you. But I do like the icing. And so, you know, when you get those big, big old roses, that's, that's the part. For me on Sundays, this is the icing on the cake for me. So that's not it. That's not the hardest part. Well, maybe it's, it's counseling people that are going through a tough time. No, no, I kind of like that too. I kind of enjoy that. I kind of enjoy processing with people. I kind of enjoy listening to people. Well, Maybe, maybe it's doing funerals because it's very difficult for people. Well, I don't like doing funerals. If I did, that'd be kind of weird. So, but, but I don't like doing funerals, but I, I do like being there for people and helping people and walking people through that process. So that's not the hardest part. That's not the hard. You know what the hardest part is? The hardest part is this, is getting disappointed by people in ministry. That's the hardest part. It's get, getting disappointed by people in ministry is the hardest part. Getting disappointed by people that let you down. 
getting, I think the word they use now is ghosting you, getting ghosted by people. And that, doesn't that what, for those who are, uh, uh, for those who are 50 like me and older, I think, I think teenagers help me. I think ghosting means when someone just kind of disappears from you, right? Like they just stop calling, stop texting, whatever, they just kind of disappear. Well, the hardest thing for me is, is whenever I've poured my life into people and then just, they just kind of ghost you. They just kind of leave. It had nothing to do with you, but they just kind of leave. And that's difficult in ministry because you want to make an impact in people's lives. The hardest thing in ministry for me has been, without even a question, is the failure of other people on my life. How they have had failures, how they have, have done things that weren't exactly biblical, how they have let me down. And probably if I were to guess, you would say the same thing about your life too. That's been the hardest part. Can I tell you guys something? People are going to let you down. I want you to hear that. People are going to let you down. They are. People are going to let you down. Your spouse will let you down. Your husband will let you down. Your kids will let you down. Those doggone kids don't come with a, with a manual, do they? You know what I'm saying? And I know the Bible tells us how to raise our kids. Don't be that guy. You know what I'm saying? I'm talking about each individual kid. You know what I mean? Because they're always totally different. I mean, they're totally different. People will let you down. Can I tell you something I've found? God will never let you down. I have found that God will never let you down. He won't. He will never let you down. Now, I will tell you, sometimes God's actions I don't understand. I didn't say you would always understand God's actions. I would just say in the end you will look back and say, I get it. I think I get it now. Can I tell you that if everyone else is a liar, God is true. The second thing is, is that we've all fallen short. Here's what Isaiah 64, 6 says. Here's what Isaiah says. We are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds... I remember hearing this back when I was like 19 years old and this verse shook me because I always thought what I had to do is, is I had to perform in order, you know what I mean, to get positivity. I had to perform to get the good, so to speak. But when this, when I read this verse, I had just given my life to Christ after, and a couple months later, I read this verse and it says, we are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, that means the best you got, y'all. That means Sunday best. That means coat and tie. That means like you're walking in. That means like top of the line. I'm talking about feeding the poor. I'm talking about, you know, Calcutta with, with, uh, with uh, uh, Mother Teresa. I I'm talking about the best, absolute top of the line. They are nothing but filthy rags. Like autumn leaves, we wither and fall, and our sins sweep us away like the wind. You guys, we have all fallen short. There's a word that is used. It's depravity. We are depraved. We have all fallen short. Why have we fallen short? Well, we've fallen short because in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and we go through that process in Genesis 1 through 3 and we get to a point where we see that there's this perfect union between God and man. There's a perfect union between God and man. We see them in this relationship with God and with man and something occurs and what occurs is that we decided that we wanted to be like God instead of letting God be God. 
We wanted to have control over our own lives instead of God having control over our lives. And so what occurred is, is that there was a separation, a disconnect to the point where God had to say, I want you to understand something. You have to leave my presence now. And there was a disconnect from God. When we failed, that sin entered the world. There was a disconnect and a lost connection between God and man. I have an iPad here, you guys. I have an iPad here. By the way, it took me a long time to learn how to use my notes from the iPad because I was always scared it was going to die. And then I was like, well, I just need to memorize my, my sermon. So I try to do that some. But this is an iPad. You can do a lot of things on this iPad. You can, you can read on the iPad, right? You can type on the iPad. You know what I mean? You can like do the little, it's like hunt and peck, but you can still type on it. You can even do this. You can even, this is kind of crazy. And my wife does this every night. My wife has a, has a ritual every night before she goes to bed and she has to go to sleep a winner. That's her ritual. Every night she plays a game and she has to win the game before she goes to sleep. I wish I was joking, but I'm absolutely not joking. And usually I'll say, did you win? She'll say, yep, I won. Boop, good night. And then five minutes later. That's how it is. You can play games on this iPad. You can move it around. You can do all kinds of stuff on the iPad. And it's great. But do you know, do you know how this really comes to life? You know how it really comes to life? Whenever you connect it to the internet. See, Wendy can play solitaire all she wants. And I think she cheats sometimes, by the way. That's just my opinion. She can play solitaire all she wants in the bed at night. And, and it's just a game. And it'll just keep doing the same things over and over again. But man, when you connect it to the internet, this thing comes alive. You can go out and research things. You can watch, you can stream movies and TV and all this kind of stuff. You can do all kinds of stuff through this little bitty machine here. Isn't that crazy? You see, playing a game and winning the game on the iPad, it's, it's pretty good, I guess. You know, it's good. But what really, what really gets this thing going, what really maximizes it, here, here's a better thing. The way you use this iPad in the way it was created to be used is with connection. I want you to get that. And I want you to get something else too. Without connection, this is a shadow of what it was created for. Guess what? You and I are the same exact way. Without connection, without the connection with God, you and I are a shadow of what we were created to be. Without connection, we are still as filthy rags to God. All of our goodness, all of those things, are, they pale in comparison. They don't, they're not even in the same reality as what God has in mind for us 
through connection. What Paul's saying here is he's saying this. He's saying, I want you to understand something. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile. What you need is connection. It doesn't matter. You are all depraved. What you, mean, what you need is someone to come and save you from this state. That's what you need. That's what you need. I want to focus on this verse in verse 20. It says, For no one can be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. I've shared this with you guys before, but I want you to understand this. Your good works, the law, it was a diagnostic, you guys. It was a test. It was a diagnostic. It's a diagnostic. What do I mean? And I've shared this. If you guys have been here for a long time, you know I've shared this before. It's a diagnostic. You see, I don't care how great your doctor is. If you have an incredible doctor, and I have a great doctor, but if you have an incredible doctor, and if I went into my doctor and he said, hey, we're going to run this blood test. And I said, okay. And he ran the blood test and he came back and he said, I want you to understand something. He said, right here, I see that this and this are wrong. And I said, okay, doc, I see this and this is wrong. I see what you're saying. He said, yeah, that's what's wrong. And if my doctor got up and he walked out the door, what would I say? Where the heck are you going? Great, you showed me what was wrong. But what do we want to know? How in the world can we fix it? How can we fix it? How can we fix it? I've shared it like this with you before. Listen, you can have the, the best, the best x-ray technician in the world. You can have the best, but here's what they're going to do. They're going to diagnose. They're going to have a picture of something, be it, you know, your cartilage, whatever, your, a bone in your hand or wherever. And the picture is going to show what the, what's wrong. But here's what I want you to understand. You have to have a physician to direct you in how to fix the issue. See, it, it's worthless for my doctor to run a test and to tell me what is wrong without telling me what the solution is. Are you with me? And I want you to understand something. What Paul is saying is this. The law... All it did was show how human beings were depraved and were unable to meet the standard that God has because our, our stuff, our best, is filthy rags. The law was a diagnostic. You know this. Listen, I want you to understand this. Deep in your heart, you know this. I want to talk to you for a second. You know this is true because when you decide... That you're going to start doing better and you're no longer going to curse and you leave here on Sunday morning and you have to deal with that silly turn up there if you're going to Noonan and people are driving by you fast and they're pulling out in front of you and they're blowing the horn at you. Five minutes into that trip, 
you've now seen that the law is the diagnostic because you've probably failed and didn't even get the taco bell before you cussed somebody out. Are you with me? Is anybody jiving with me? When you have tried your best to keep the rules and regulations, every single time you have failed, haven't you? Yes, the answer is yes. You failed. And so have I. Why? Because we're missing connection. We're missing the power. I shared with you guys a couple of weeks ago the way people change. The way people change. I shared with you guys a couple of weeks ago the way people change. And let me find it for you. It says this. It says, no, uh, and this is at the end of verse 2. A true Jew is one whose heart is right with God. And true circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of the law. Rather, it is a change of heart produced by what? By God's spirit. This is at the end. This is verse 29 of 2. And a person with a changed heart seeks praise from God, not people. What did I say before? It's God's word that you know to be true and that he can be trusted and that he will never be a liar. Even though people will let you down, God won't let you down. It's God's word and Holy Spirit combined to make a change. And what we don't like is, is that that's a process. Most of the time, it doesn't happen instantly. You get along in the process. Listen, you guys, your rules and regulations that you're keeping is a diagnostic to show you that you can't keep them. Apart from God, apart from Jesus Christ, you can't keep them. Apart from his, his spirit, you can't keep them. Apart from Holy Spirit, you can't do it. And what Paul's saying here is, is this. I want you to understand that everyone, everyone has fallen short. I don't want to leave today. We're almost, we're almost up. I don't want to leave today. I feel like today's message may have been a little bit of a Debbie Downer, but I don't want to be Debbie Downer, okay? I, I, want, I want to leave you with some encouragement. Look in verse 21, and this will not be on the screen. Verse 20, or it will be on the screen. Thank you. Verse 21. Samantha is so awesome back there, isn't she? Anyway, verse 21 says this. But now God. In my Bible, that is circled. But now God. What are we doing? Here's what we're doing. He's told you about the Gentiles and how when God removed his, his whenever, whenever he removed his, his, um, his, his presence, whenever he removed, he removed that restraint and how things worked out. He then went in chapter 2 to the Jews and said, listen, just because you think you're special, you're really not because it's all a diagnostic. And then he went on into chapter 3 and said, we're all depraved. We're all filthy rags. We're all here. And I told you guys a couple weeks ago, we're all on the same level. And then 21, the good news starts. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him. And I love this part. Please. If you do nothing else today, and if you hear nothing else today, I want you to listen to this part. 
without keeping the requirements of the law. I want you to hear this. He has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law. Here's what that means. That means that if you and your religion, if you're following of Christ, if your Christianness or whatever you want to call it, if your spiritualness or whatever you want to call it, I hate the word spiritual, but if your spiritualness, if, 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 if you have gotten this far by saying, okay, I'm going to do this and this and this and this, and you're going to check a box off. If you've done that, Paul's got a word for you. It says, now God has shown us a way to be made right without keeping those requirements as promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. And you may perk your ears up and you may say, well, what is it? What is it? 22 says, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes no matter who we are. God has clearly shown the way. He's shown the way. I shared this with you guys with you last week. But if you want to have a genuine relationship with Christ and you want to see genuine change from the inside out, my, I would plead with you to be 100% genuine and honest with God. And don't fake it like Peter did, you know, time and time again, trying to be this bold person when he really was not that bold person. He was really in need of a Savior like us all. But be 100% genuine with God. And put down your checklist of what you think is holy and what's not. Okay? Because let me tell you something. God can talk to you like he can talk to everybody else. When you read the scripture, he can take that scripture, his Holy Spirit, and he can teach you within yourself what is right and what is wrong. Put down those things. Put down that checklist. And allow God to change you from the inside out. That would be my encouragement for you today. Put them down. Put it down. The, the image you have in your mind, because I think what a lot of churches try to do is, is they, they, don't, now they, don't, they don't show this in, in the front. But what they do is they have people that come down front and they want to give their life to Christ, which is amazing. But I think somewhere secretly there's some like, like deacon. There's got to be a deacon. You know, those deacons, probably a deacon's kid. He drags it out from the back. It's, it's kind of rusty. And he drags this cutout of the back. And then, and then the person begins the process of getting shoved through the cutout of what everybody thinks a Christian is supposed to look like. And then it pops out on the other side. And that's what happens. And because it wasn't genuine change. But, and let me say something to you guys. Listen, God is big enough that he can deal with your stuff individually. You don't have to be some kind of carbon cutout. He, you know, he can deal with you on an individual basis. If he can speak and heal one person and use mud for another, I think he can deal with you. If he can talk through a donkey, probably good with you, okay? I'm just, I'm just guessing. But if someone's trying to force you to be some model of what they think a follower of Jesus looks like, I'd be aware of that. Because we come in all shapes and sizes and all personalities and here's the great thing. God can use every bit of it for the glory of him. He can. 
I promise you we're never going to try to put you through a cutout, a cookie cutout. The only thing I'm going to cut out with a cookie cutout is a cookie. And I'm going to eat that joker with probably too much icing. All right? What's going to happen? God's made a way. And it's very clear to us. And that way is Jesus Christ. Reconnecting us with God. Being the bridge. In John 14, 6, he says, I am the way. I am the truth and the life. And no one come to the Father except through me. That's what he said. And I believe that 100%. And so should you. Because God can be trusted. And if everybody else fails you, God won't. I'm going to do something I rarely do here. I'm going to ask the praise band if they would sing the song they sang earlier, It Is Well. If you guys would do that again, I would really like to do that. And I just want to end on that note. It is well. I think that needs to be our prayer today. You can come on up, Dan. I think that needs to be our prayer today. So instead of closing with prayer, like I usually do at the end of the sermon, what I want to do is, is I want to have the praise team come on up and get set. And what I want you to do is, is I want you to use this song. We're going to sing our prayer to God for the closing. We're going to sing it. That's what we're going to do. And so as we, as we, y'all can go ahead and stand up. As we stand up, and Jacob will come up here at the end. He's got a few announcements to make. But as we sing this, make it your prayer to God. If you're watching from home, if you're in the car, you guys sing out too. Sing out too. I know the people beside you, driving beside you, look weird at you, but it doesn't matter. You don't know them. You're never going to see them again. Let's sing our prayer to God in this song. It is well with my soul. Let's sing it out. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or would like to contact us, please visit our website at realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Until then, God bless and remember to love God, love others, and live real.